You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Wednesday edition of Locked On Indians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis. It's a crossover edition, and as all of these have gone, we went an hour because it's just very easy to when you have a chance to sit down and talk with someone else who knows a lot about baseball. A lot of fun talking with Nash over at Locked On Twins. I feel like the Twins are probably the big rival for the Indians because uh, they've had some back and forth the past few years. Yes, Chicago was good last year, but for a long time they were not. The Tigers used to be the big rival, but uh, it's been a while since they were even remotely decent. So without much further ado, uh, let's just head into the convo. Uh, Nash, I would say, and I'm, so I say that now I'm going to have more further ado. Nash, I think, has the uh, highest view of the Indians of any of the other hosts I've talked with, and definitely higher than Jim Bowden, uh, who also the only person I know who has blocked me on Twitter. I have one person that's blocked me. It's him. I wear that as a badge of pride. If you missed it, he is the Indians fourth in the division. Uh, but from that is not unsurprising based on that individual and their baseball acumen the past few years. And now to Nash, someone with excellent baseball acumen. And welcome to a divisional crossover. It's Locked On Twins and Locked On Cleveland Indians. Nash Walker here, the host of Locked On Twins. Jeff, I'm not 100% certain what your last name is. You're going to have to tell me. Uh, Ellis. Ellis, that's right, yes. I always think of like the Twitter handles and the, the Twitter <laughs> names. And it's like, for some people, it's just their first name. Some people, they got their last name in there. But uh, how excited are you for opening day? I I guess I never get too excited for opening day. I, I, that might be crazy to say, but I, I'm like, it's going to be a long season. I'm mm-hmm. excited for baseball in general. Uh, and I'm excited to see how this season plays out. This is going to be a weird one as an Indians fan. Like, I don't think we've ever had so many... Uh, possible variants of outcomes uh very excited for the return of baseball in general and for like a real season of baseball yeah but uh for the indians themselves it's it's kind of a bit of a tepid season because uh just i like i said we're really not sure what this team is going to do this year so let's talk a little bit about what has kind of happened in the central the last couple of years uh, cleveland just reigning supreme for so many of them in the last handful of years and then i think and correct me if, if you disagree, I think what happened was Cleveland looked at the division in 2019, didn't believe that they would be contested. And, you know, for, for the right reason, like they hadn't been really. Uh, and I think they looked at the rest of the Central and, and didn't feel like there was a real threat to them. And the Twins, I think, over under was like 82 and a half. And I know it's not always uh, viable, the Vegas odds. But I think the Twins surprised themselves. I think the Twins also surprised Cleveland in 2019 with their start. And I think the notion among Twins fans and like Twins analysts was Cleveland had this great core and they just they haven't been able to supplement as well to like really bury the division the last couple of years. Would you agree with that? 100%. I think especially when you look at the start of 2019, uh, Lindor was hurt and they didn't have a real option at second base. So we ran out Eric Stamets and like solid defender but he's not really a uh more of that quad a type you know it's speed and defense but offensive you know like the offensive ceiling there was like a johnny mcdonald type and you just don't see those guys lasting in baseball in its current way as much anymore and then max morhoff who 
you know, a lot of Indians fans, we get very, we think we won that deal where we traded and got uh, Luplo and Morhoff, even though Morhoff didn't do anything and was cut very quickly. But, uh, you know, the Indians traded Tajne Thomas, whose name I probably butchered in that one. So I always tell Indians fans, wait a few years to come to a decision on that trade. But yeah, they did that. They ran out Hanley Ramirez. They thought they had that division wrap. So they're like, we'll just play it slow. And then we'll eventually, Lindor will get healthy and we'll bring guys up. I think the biggest problem, though, in terms of the inability to supplement that core uh, was, I believe, in the middle of that season, maybe, or at the end of 2019 is when Sherman bought the Royals. And we don't know exactly how much his ownership core in the Indians was, but the we know it was at least 15%, and some out there think it was upwards of 30 And you can just see since then, the I mean, I believe since 2019, the payroll has shrunk $100 million. And a big part of that is all of a sudden, uh, Dolan had to buy that 30, I believe it was 30%. Like, we don't know, but I'm the way they've reacted. I think it was a, a huge chunk. And we've seen, so the, I agree with your, that they thought they had, you know, a large runway, they're going to walk away with it. And then I think that supplemental reason just comes down to the Sherman Money's- going to the Royals and money. Yeah. Money. That was such a fun race in 2019. Cleveland just charged all the way back down 11 games in the division and, and Twins fans were just shaking in their boots. And then it kind of culminated when Miguel Sano hit that grand slam at Progressive Field. It's a place I want to get to, Jeff. I want to get out there. I think it's it's it looks like a, a beautiful park on TV. And I'm hoping to get there this summer or next summer to it's see. A, I always think it's funny with that collapse before I address the stadium thing. It's like, I believe it was, you know, Brad Hand really imploded. Who isn't he a Minnesota native? It felt yes, like he had a sleeper agent. Minnesota. Yeah, right yeah. up the road. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, the nice thing with Progressive Field is now it's, it feels like an older park. I mean, you look at something like the Braves where, I mean, their stadium was still brand new and they went and built that one and it's held up. It's, it's a nice stadium when I, I, you know, to, to be, uh, perfectly straightforward I, I now live in milwaukee so i, I do all of my covering from outside of ohio thursday all right it's uh yeah i'll be there for opening day oh nice yeah, yeah. i i pass that stadium every day on my drive as a teacher mm-hmm. to school i uh, i'm always going through there uh but yeah it's uh you know that stadium in cleveland it's it's still nice it's still they've done things to upgrade and change a lot of people get mad on opening day that they've cut out like 18,000 seats with some of their changes, but outside of like opening day and those first few games, they never sold out when that place was at like the 153 max. So it's kind of nice. They shrunk it down. They've added some really cool features in recent years. Like they have little restaurants representing like local business. It's you can go and get like a, from the, I don't want to mention some and not mention the other, but it's, they've done a lot to make it feel like very localized. They have like a beer wall, which can be good or bad, depending on how you look at it. But like a local brewery, they've done, done a lot to make it like represent the city. So I'm a big fan of the stadium there. Um, I just wish more people in Cleveland would discover it and spend some time there when it is a point where we can all kind of go back and start packing, you know, 100,000 plus in a, in a stadium. So let's talk about these two clubs for the 2021 season and just the American League Central. What's your view of the division, Jeff? I think things might have shifted a bit with the Eloy Jimenez injury, but uh, who do you view in this division? Maybe not as the team to beat, but just how do you see it playing out? And now I think it's time for a message from our sponsor, Built Bar. So I opened up the page, getting ready to talk about the tournament. I go there 20% off all of their Built Bar boosts. 
and you get three free packets of Built Go with any purchase. So go check that out. I mean, they free gifts all around. Uh, raspberry cheesecake is currently there, and let's we'll talk about the uh, the tournament. But I had to point those things out that they have some additional deals because you can stack these deals when you go there. That is something I always pay attention to and try to stack. Cookie dough chunk versus cookies and cream. Oh, this is a tough one for me because in my recent order, oh, and there it kicks on the heating system. I apologize for that. In my recent order, I got cookie dough chunk and cookies and cream. I think I still slightly prefer the cookies and cream. <laughs> the cookie dough chunk was so popular, it slowed my order. I got my order about three to four days later than I typically would because so many people just jumped and immediately and they sold out so quickly. It was such a popular flavor. So I think cookie dough chunk will win. My personal preference here would be to go with cookies and cream. You can't go wrong with either one. You can never go wrong with Built Bar. Go there today. Use the promo code LOCKDOWN15 to get 15% off your order. That's a fantastic deal. BuiltBar.com. It'll make your mouth happy. LOCKDOWN15 will make your wallet happy. All the breaking news. Opening day just a few days away. Uh, I'm going to have a that evening a, uh, a locker room uh, drop in. So make sure to check that out. Opening day the night after. Well, the night of, essentially. But uh, the reason I'm talking about breaking news and what's happening is to go check out Locked On Today with host uh, Peter Bukowski. He's got you covered. All the breaking news of the day, Locked On Today. I think I, this is where I've been very honest on the podcast that maybe I'm a bit of a Pollyanna. But I think, uh, and, and I realize that's a reference that shows all of my nearly 40 years to make. But uh, you know, I feel like there's still a top three. Like I'm not willing to completely sell out on the Indians because there is a world where last year you could have looked at them and voted that they had the MVP in the Cy Young and they still have the MVP in the Cy Young and the pitching staff is weaker. I mean, that's undeniable, but the, when you look at the whole scale and everyone kind of wants to discount them because of their trades, it's like Kluber hasn't done anything since and had missed the entire season before that, that was, they got some asset out of that Clevenger. He never pitched a full season and that was just, they knew they couldn't count. I think, as much as people made a big deal about the COVID situation and it was a big deal, I think the bigger concern was just his, his health. And that's why they moved on when they did Bauer. I mean, he was great last year, but if you look at his time in Cleveland, he had one great year before that he was strictly average. He had the Cy Young year. His best tool was he was just a rubber arm guy for those first four years. He was like a two, maybe two and a half, 2.8 win guy. He was not what he is now. And then Lindor and Carrasco hurt. Carrasco looked so good last year. The thing with Lindor is he is on a Hall of Fame path, but last year he was not. Yeah. And for as much as uh, people want to kind of leave the Indians for dead because of the Lindor deal, if you look at Lindor and Jimenez and you look at the runs created, plus Jimenez actually had a higher runs created last year than Lindor. So this was a team that was good enough to technically they finished ahead of the White, of the White Sox in that mm-hmm. situation. And Jimenez doesn't have to replace Lindor. He has to replace what Lindor did last year. Right. And some of their additions, um, you know, Eddie, Eddie Rosario in the outfield is for the, for the Indians, a huge addition because we had absolutely no production. I mean, our center fielder last year had a negative runs created. I had never seen that before in my life. Uh, it was legitimately historically bad. So they've, yeah. they've done some areas to improve. I think a lot of it I talked about right at the top is just the variance. It's like, Will Plesak be what he was last year? Was he just small sample size? Will, you know, how's Quantrell going to transition? Because it was an ugly spring. Can Tristan McKenzie, you know, he looked really good at the start. 
but then he faded and that was only 33 innings. And that's the only 33 innings he's pitched the last two years. So they have a ton of question marks, but they still have the top end talent, I think to compete. But I think they're, if you're placing odds, they're the lowest one of that group. And I, I think with the Eloy situation for the White Sox, they already had a question at DH. So now they're down two bats. Mm-hmm. And then the only question with the twins is just the pitching. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, they, the top you have to like, and then Pineda, I, I, you know, I just, I have my question marks. I think anyone would um, yeah. just cause we haven't had a chance to see him between the suspension and the short season. Uh, Jay Happ is an interesting addition, but it's like the American league is very, the central right. is very right-handed. It seemed like yeah. an odd ad. Yeah. I thought and so too. So you look at that and then shoemaker and I, I, you know, I'm looking at the roster resource. I could be wrong and what they have there, but it's like, I'd almost rather personally see someone like probably going to butcher the name again. Cause that's my, uh, uh, Dob- Dobnik, Dobnik. Yeah. Dobber. Dobber. I'd rather see him in the rotation. If I'm honest, like yep. I, I think to me, it's interesting to look at like the white Sox and the twins. Cause I won't well, remain more the Indian, well, you know, Indians and twins, I think is more the one that I'd go with. Cause it's like, the, it's it's so much based for the twins on their hitting and can their yep. pitching hold up and then for the indians it's so much based on the pitching and can their hitting hold up yeah and you know what the indians have ramir as you guys have maeda and mm-hmm. it's it's definitely that kind of star at the top i i mean i as an indians fan i am so jealous of the depth that you know you guys have bench players who'd probably be starters so i mm-hmm. that's kind of my view what's what's your take i feel like when i have a this is our last one of these talking with the other hosts uh, every single one has disagreed with me that it's like a top two race. And then a lot mm. of people think that Cleveland is closer to Kansas city than they are to Minnesota. You know what, Jeff, when, when the Lindor trade happened and Carrasco was gone, and I'm not just saying this cause I'm talking to you. I've, mm. I've said this throughout the off season. I said it immediately after the trade happened. I didn't feel like jumping. I feel like people so quickly when teams trade a star, they want to say that team's bad all of a sudden. And as you mentioned, like Lindor wasn't great last year and we saw the twins play him a ton and like driving in runs was a problem. I know last year for him, I remember hearing about that, uh, obviously a fantastic player and that's a loss for them certainly. But yes, as you mentioned, like they have a floor of that rotation. Shane Bieber is, is so fantastic. Uh, Zach Plezak has the stuff to be great and has been great. You know, you've seen that and we saw it in 2020. Tristan McKenzie, I think is, he looks special too. Um, you know, I think I, I read today that they're going to have to watch his workload a little bit. He's a, he's a skinny guy, uh, see if they can get him through a full campaign, but that rotation special and the way that they develop is special. And you mentioned like Jose Ramirez, I think is a top two, three player in the American league, uh, just all around players, a switch hitter. He can hit both hands. You know, he's great at third base. He's a spark plug in the lineup. I love Jose Ramirez, uh, Ramirez and Lindor are two of my favorite players that didn't play for the twins in the last handful of years. Certainly. Adding Eddie, as you said, just from a pure wins above replacement standpoint, like that jump for them is huge. And for a lot of teams, it wouldn't be. But that's that's a big jump considering where their corner outfield has been. And then I'm still a believer in Framio Reyes. And, and the Twins have kind of diced him up since he came over. But, I, I mean, the power there is undeniable. And I think the middle of the lineup with Cesar Hernandez, too, could produce. You know, I think there are question marks if, like, if – J-Ram went down, I think they would, but that's true for any team, right, um, in terms of depth. But I never saw, as great as I think Kansas City did, you know, just spending money, 
I think they could have spent it in a more efficient manner. Agreed. And uh, yeah, like a two-year deal for Mike Mike. Like if they had that money to spend, I would. If I was them, I'm, there's I'm not employed, but <laughs> if I was the Royals, I would spend that money a different way. Especially this type of offseason, they gave Minor that deal in like November. They gave Carlos Santana that deal in like November. And I like Carlos Santana too. He struggled last year at the plate and he'll walk a ton. But I would have done it in a different way if I were them. And I'm still not in love with what they have. I think that the Indians are a clear step above Kansas City. I think people jumping to Kansas City being a third place team and in the wild card race, uh, it's it's premature to me. And Cleveland's got this established roster. I have a lot of respect for them. I know the Twins do too. Uh, just the way that they can develop and they know how to win. And as you mentioned, like they finished second last year with not a lot from Lindor and a lineup that uh, didn't produce very much either. So I still have a ton of respect for Cleveland. I think they're going to be in the hunt. I think the White Sox, it's easy to say that I think that they will really hurt from losing Eloy, but I think they will. You know, I think Eloy by Zips was projected to lead the team in OPS plus and homers this year. I, as a Twins fan, I'm the most afraid of Eloy Jimenez. As much as Jose Abreu has killed the Twins, uh, they're going to hurt without him. And they had depth question marks as well, as you said, at DH and, and in the outfield. So I think that that hurts them. I mean, it hurt it would hurt anyone to lose a bat like that, but especially them because they don't have that depth. Uh, and then with the Twins, like they're they're built for 162, and that's why last year with the 60 games, it was a little bit different. I think we saw that with Cleveland with such a top-heavy roster them doing much better over a shorter stint. You saw them thriving at the end of the year too. It would have been interesting to see how the rest of the year went if it was 162, if the White Sox would have continued that uh, complete downfall. But I think it'll be interesting going back to 162, how these teams match up because the White Sox lacking in that depth, you know, the Cleveland with their lineup depth, the top half of the lineup, I think is, has a chance to be really good. I think the twins with some depth, but more questions at the top half of their, their talent in Buxton and Donaldson, huge injury question marks. It's going to be interesting to watch, but I agree with you, Jeff. I think Cleveland's going to be in it. I think, uh, you know, expecting them to become like a 70, 75 win team because they lost Francisco Lindor is not, uh, I don't think it's super viable because they've just proven otherwise for, for a bunch of years now. Yeah, it's, I, I, Pretty much agree with everything you said. Uh, it's one of those things. It's it's kind of nice to hear someone else echoing that. I don't know. You know, we all go, we all get wrapped up in our team because we're doing this on the mm-hmm. daily. So you never mm-hmm. know how much is that wrapping up. Right. I will say the one thing that stood out as I was kind of sitting here looking at the Twins roster is I have to give them credit because I thought they made one of the slicker moves in free agency. We talked about the Royals kind of jumping out, and like I love Carlos Santana. He's yeah. honestly one of my favorite Indians of my lifetime. Yeah. Uh, he's a, was a great leader, a fun guy, great personality. I thought there was a chance the Indians could bring him back for like 4 million, 5 million. And he got that two-year deal and I was kind of shocked. Uh, so the other side is the twins waiting and getting Andrelton who like, when you compare the cost of what shortstops went for in the market, like I said it the minute it happened, like I'd rather have Andrelton than Marcus Simeon at those same two costs. And it's moves like that. I feel like the twins are very smart about waiting, playing mm-hmm. the market well, and coming back and getting Fans that don't addition. like it, Jeff. <laughs> they don't? <laughs> no, they don't like it for uh, five months of the offseason. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. But I, it always works. Like, no one wins in free agency. Everyone wants to sit back. And, you know, it, right now it's like the big talk is, is I appreciate the Padres going crazy and mad and all in. But, like, that is maybe they'll be the team that does it. But that has never worked. Like, that team has mm-hmm. never been the team that won. And it is always the, 
you know, for as much as like, yes, the Dodgers made the huge move last year, but that team was still mostly homegrown. Right. You look at a lot of those teams through the years. It's it. You can't just get it all at once. You have to actually build these teams. And mm-hmm. I mean, the one thing we can see is uh, the twins have been experts at building. They're a real interesting approach to the draft and how they go about just roster construction. And uh, as an outside observer, I always just kind of, circle back and look at what they do. And, uh, you know, I just view them as one of the smarter organizations. So I thought it would be fun to go look at the prop bets over at Bet Online for the Cleveland Indians this year. Uh, fun fact, I went to look at their MLB specials, and it's AL Manager of the Year, NL Manager of the Year, and First Manager to be Fired. If you're curious, Tito was in the middle of both Manager of the Year and Likely to be Fired. How about some prop bets? These are the interesting ones to me. Ahmad Rosario, over under on 10 home runs. Uh, I feel like if you play it every day, that's an easy way to make some money there. Now, again, don't quote me on that. I'm no special team person on this, but he hit over 10 home runs in 2019. If you think you can get back to that, that's a low bar. 48 and a half RBIs. Again, that feels like a low bar. Cesar Hernandez, 272 batting average. Ooh, that's a, that's one I would avoid. Eddie Rosario home runs, 29 and a half. RBIs, 92 and a half. Fran Mil Reyes, total home runs, 32 and a half. Kind of want to go the under there. I'm not sure if I feel comfortable. Batting average, Jose Ramirez, 279. Home runs, 33 and a third. RBIs, 99 and a half. It's, it's, you know, should we jump over to Shane Bieber? Strikeouts, 244 and a half. Total wins, 14 and a half. Tristan McKenzie, total strikeouts, 123 and a half. I kind of want to sign up and go for the under now because he's not likely to pitch 120 innings. So you think he's going to strike out a batter an inning? It's interesting. That's one of those two. I mean, his strikeout rate was there. Seven for his wins. Like, to give a comparison, Zach Pisak's only at 149 and a half. Uh, that is the fun one, looking at these lines. I've already gone long on the ad for betonline.ag. If you want to sign up, you want to take that chance, remember to use that promo code Locked On to get a 50% bonus on your first deposit. That is the promo code Locked On over at Bet Online. Who brought to you those lines? Brought to you those lines? Who made those lines? And I also want to remind you that uh, the Locked On MLB Division Series continues on Locked On MLB Today. Every episode from now until the 31st features in depth looks at each team in every division. It's on the Locked On MLB podcast feed right now. Follow Locked On MLB on the Audacity app or wherever you get podcasts. Wow, does that turn into a tricky word for me? Well, a big part of that's Derek Falvey. And, you know, you know Derek Falvey well coming over from Cleveland. Let's talk about him a little bit. What was your impression of him when he was uh, part of that front office? It was interesting because when he was hired, I was kind of surprised because he wasn't one of the first names that came to mind in terms of someone who I thought would be poached, but the more you would hear about like what he did and just how smart he was, you understood it. And what I thought was really interesting was immediately upon being hired that he went out and brought in, and I'm blanking on the name, uh, someone from Texas. And those were, I'm sorry, what was that? Yeah. Thad Levine. That's it. I was blanking yep. there. And the, the Indians had always been a little bit more conservative up until like a few years before Falvey left. And then Texas had been really high ceiling for so long and just kind of marrying those approaches in the up the middle, which we saw in that first draft with, with Royce Lewis. And it's been interesting since then, because I've been, you know, the one, the most expensive thing to buy is power. And 
instead they've just gone all in on trying to find it in the draft and, and smart approaches. Like, you know, the NFL just had free agency. And if you're someone who follows them, that sport in depth, there's always the talk about, you know, positional value. And it's like, how much does this cost to find on the open market versus uh, to draft? And in the, in major league baseball, where you're a a smaller mid-market team, we don't always hear positional value, but we should probably hear it more and maybe not so much positional as tool value. And I think that's one of those things the twins have been so incredibly smart with. And even someone like Nelson Cruz is a smart addition. And I know people out there are like, yeah, cause he's good. It's like, it's not even that they were able to consistently get him on good value contracts because his age people right. be, were afraid of his age. And then they're just smart enough to be like, well, if the wheels fall off, we've gotten value. Just keep, you know, uh, doubling down it's it i i think the intelligence with this twins organization is just it's always on display and when you look at what they're building we we have some of those prospects up and in but there's still a lot of young guys coming through and i'll be curious to see how they continue to uh to mine approach and kind of build out from that core because it does seem to be they are the opposite of the indians where they're the approach with with falvey is that pitching is a little bit of a you can, you can win with a bunch of fives or fours and try to get maybe one. You know, I, I don't think they traded for Maeda expecting him to do what he did. And Barrios, I believe, was already in place. Yep. But in that, they've almost kind of ignored the position in terms of uh, high-end talent acquisition. So it's, it's very interesting to see that with them as an organization. Yeah, and I think the thing about Fabio when he came in too was like he was part of – he's been part of that amazing development – in Cleveland of young pitchers and the twins for so long have had trouble developing young pitching. And that was something that fans were excited about. I know when Falvey came over and now we're going to see, as you said, his, his front office's wave of pitching prospects that they've gotten their hands on because he's been here since 2017, but we haven't seen many arms. Like you look at the rotation, as you mentioned, the Kenta trade, uh, Jose was already there. You know, he was a long-term piece in the organization, Pineda Hap, Shoemaker, Dobnak's a good example of someone who came up and, and that they found, and he ended up being just a, a diamond in the rough in terms of, of signing a signing bonus for $500 to, to sign with the twins and then got a five-year extension the other day. Um, but yeah, we're going to start to see guys like Yohan Duran and, and Jordan Balazovic. And I think twins fans are really anxious to see this new front office. Now that they've had a chance to develop these arms, what that's going to look like. I'm excited to see it. And I think this year is going to be the biggest test for, Falvey and for this front office and maybe more so before Eli got hurt, but you got this white Sox team that is charging hard. Uh, They really want it. They're young, they're talented. You have a Cleveland team that's still respectable with a great rotation. And it's, it's a test for them. They got 18 straight postseason losses. Now it's time to win a playoff game, win a playoff series and make a little run. I think this year is, is big for the front office in terms of people just wanting to, to praise them for everything. And I get it. They've turned it around in Minnesota but it's time for that next step. And I think people are, are really anxious to see if it's going to be the young arms coming up plus some postseason success. Cause I think those are the, those are the next steps for this front office. And uh, I'm excited to see what happens there. Jeff, let's talk, uh, let's talk about Eddie uh, Rosario twins, cutting him at 10 million in his third year of arbitration. I actually threw him on waivers. I think he was going to make 10, 11 in that range. Uh, no teams wanted him at that price. Cleveland got him for seven. Is that right? Might be eight. Okay, so I think like it the is number eight. in my head. I could be wrong in that, but okay, yeah. So they got either way, well below. 
Yeah, yeah. So they got him for eight million. Uh, Eddie, long term piece for the Twins, and I know you, you and Herb and Chris were talking about how you you won't miss seeing him uh, in the American League Central for the Twins. I think Rosario, people grew sour with him some in the last couple of years just because he, his inability to get on and, and swinging at everything. But he has just an amazing ability to make contact with pitches that should not even be swung at, but he'll make contact on them. And we've seen him hit home runs that are like at his eye level, uh, pitches at his eyes that he'll hit out for home runs. But he just has that amazing contact ability uh, with big power too. Where do you expect him to hit in this Cleveland lineup? He's hit fourth for the Twins uh, for the last handful of years. Where do you see him in this lineup? And you'll have to tune in tomorrow to get my answer to where I think Eddie Rosario is going to play. Thank you for listening to the podcast. As always, rate and review. That helps a lot. Download daily. Download on multiple devices. Uh, multiple, you know, whatever you can do to help the podcast is much appreciated. I love all of my listeners. Uh, I go back to when someone wrote kind of a mean personal attack in the review on iTunes and just the sweetness and response and and of uh, the iTunes uh reviews that were written i still have to thank people for those i know that is coming up as well i have been jeff ellis you can find me on twitter at jeff mlb draft i know i've been late on draft coverage this year i was spent i spent about an hour or two doing that today i plan to continue to kind of just dive into i'm still in the compiling not so much into the analysis phase uh when it comes to it i want to make sure that i have a good amount of information that is not just stats or reports others give me so i'm kind of Waiting in a bit right now, but uh, Wes Clark is certainly interesting. Go check him out from South Carolina if you want one of the guys who grabbed my attention today. Uh, Gunnar Hoagland as well, uh, though he should not be surprised as he was a former high pick. Uh, SEC, well, we're not even in the SEC yet, so ignore that. But uh, domination is domination, let's put it that way. I have been Jeff Ellis. That was your uh, MLB Draft Minute here at the end of the Indians podcast. Maybe I'll continue to do that. Let me know if you liked the MLB Draft Minute at the end. Uh, and I will continue to do it. As I said, I'm Jeff Ellis. Follow me on Twitter at JeffMLBDraft. Thank you to all of you who listen. And for the next year, maybe two, go Tribe.